Creative Brain Candy by creators for creators. Wait, so what were all the beers that you had out there? Okay, so I had, um, we went to Firehouse Brewing Company in Rapid City, and we had, I had like the Wild Bill Mild Ale, Mild English wild Ale. Wild Mild. Yeah, the Wild Mild, as I call it. Uh-huh. Um, and then we had the Seth Bullock Bach, which was pretty good. And then when I was in Deadwood, I tried a few of the locals from like Spearfish area. Yeah. Isn't there a brewery called called Spearfish oh, or something yeah, there's like there's a Spearfish brewery. There's basically, what I've come to the conclusion is that every like reasonably sized like city in South Dakota must have a brewery, at least one brewery. Yeah, well, it's crazy because like everybody in South Dakota, like it's a German state. I know, but it's like most German people don't like beer as much as the South Dakotans that I've met. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to bash Germans. I'm just saying I love Germans Um, too, man. Eklibidi. No, I mean no, South Dakota is really fun. I had a great time in the southwestern part, but in the winter when you can't go outside and do all the fun things out there, yeah, you got drinking and you got gambling. Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day, and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkonomics, two bartenders, who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business, are going to sit down and drink to the global economy, and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. All right, everybody, I'm back from taking a slash, and you're back on Drunkonomics. This is the podcast where we drink and talk economics, or at least drink. So That's uh, for damn certain. Yeah. So glad you could make it. We're so happy you could be here with us. Uh, we got a lot of uh, backlash from our last episode because- uh, We didn't, we didn't. I yeah. Think we- we put on and off about a lot of things. And we indicated, if we're talking about the, the loaning money to Germany for World War One, I, I think we indicated that uh, it was probably a little more equitable than it really was. Based on what I was reading, the United States government loaned about $2.5 billion to the Allies and loaned about $27 million with an M. So it was a, it's about a penny for, it's a, for every dollar they gave the Allies, they gave the Germans a penny. And this is obviously at the beginning of the war. Not that it did the Germans any good because... They were strangled at sea by the British. They were surrounded on land by just about everyone. And their only allies were Austria and the Ottoman Empire. And I'll be honest, there wasn't a whole lot to buy from them because they yeah. couldn't have traveled to them anyway. So they, what was the point in borrowing money? Yeah. So uh, the person who called us out on the main person who called us out on this was uh, one of our first one of our, listeners, one, one of, of the our, OGs. Yeah. One of our favorite people ever. His name is Max. He's on, uh, he follows us on Twitter. We've been engaging a lot with some of the stuff he's been saying. He's been sliding in our DMs a lot, and we've been, you know, trying to keep up a conversation. I'm, I'm responsive yeah. on Twitter. I just well, we try to be responsive with some reason. And if you're on Discord and you found us and you're messaging us, we're still trying to figure that one out. But if you get to us on any other platform, yeah. we try to be responsive. We try to keep our conversations. You know, we try to keep things going. Yeah, we'll get we'll get back to you within a day. Um, you know, granted, unless we have a real bender. That too, and you know, also we don't have like the biggest following in the world. You know, I'll, I'm not. Yeah, keep- so not proud to say, all right, geez, yet. So yes. we don't have the biggest following in the world yet. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, all of our drunky fans, you guys have been very loyal, and I appreciate Ooh. that. We've we've. Uh, Do we call our fans drunkies? I don't know. I call myself a drunkie. The capital E because the economic part. Yeah, dude. I like that. Drunk E, dude. Capital D, capital E, drunkie. Yeah. But yeah, on top of that, we also have a pretty big following among the Aussie crowd. Uh, our number, our number one fan ever, Tim. Tim, I haven't heard from you in a while, man. How you doing? 
you know, message us on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever sometime, man. Yeah, we're worried about you. Yeah. And also, uh, Sam on Instagram, his uh, Instagram handle is at Edge Industries. He said some pretty good questions um, for us, or at least he had that one good question last week. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking a lot on uh, on Instagram. We've been having really, really good productive conversations. Uh, he was telling me the other day about Australia's workforce participation and uh, unemployment rate. It's, he says if you're working more than one hour on an average week, you're counted as, as employed. Well, it's the, true in the U.S. as well. Seriously? You have a job. Like, you could work an hour a week and you are employed for employment numbers because you know what you aren't? You are not unemployed. Oh. So you can be one of three things. You can be unemployed, employed, or discouraged. Discouraged means you don't have a job and you're not seeking. Unemployed means you don't have a job you are seeking. And employed means you have a job. So discouraged, is that, does that mean you're not in the workforce you're participation? You're not participating, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, so that's pretty much that workforce. You drop out of the workforce, right, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, um, so I, you know, Australia, one of their major trade partners, two major trade partners, China and the United States. Well, that's what he was saying. And, uh, he said Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State. Yeah. Boy, did he start rattling Australia's cage? Well, because what Edge Industries was saying, what Sam was saying, was uh, well, what I'm hearing: uh, resource exports are propping us up, but trade tensions with China. And oddly enough, the U.S. are causing some concern. China has placed an 80% tariff on barley and I think beef, he, his words. So U.S. exporters are looking to fill the gap in Australian goods or looking to fill the gap as Australian goods are priced out of the Chinese market. So, so I this, think, this could be a good short gap solution if we look at U.S. Well, I, think is, it's just, I think it's just the U.S. trying to take advantage of the Chinese, Chinese weakness. Dipo- well, the Chinese diplomacy issues. Well, yeah, Chinese Absolutely. weakness. No, if you can, if you, right? I, I think there, there certainly is some of that. I also why think- not? Why wouldn't you? Exactly. It's you know. normal. I would also think that Australia is also itself kind of looking at what's happening in Hong Kong specifically, and they are kind of gearing up for 2047. Is that or uh, I don't think it's going to take that long. Really, you know, when you remove all the anti Beijing legislators from the House and then pa- and then start passing laws because there's not enough people to vote against you because you have to pass by percentage, not by number of votes, right? So you need just need, you need to have a quorum and then you need to have a 51 percent majority. Yeah. That's all you need to do to pass something usually. If you're passing a security law and you're removing your opponents from the from their ability to vote, you've effectively you've overthrown democracy. Yeah, you don't need democracy. It, it's not democracy anymore. It's, okay, it's yeah. autocracy in all but name. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, uh, we have two more questions I want to answer before we get into our actual real topic. This is kind of the conflict we're facing because we're getting more and more questions from our followers, which I, which I love. I love that we do appreciate happening. it, guys. Yeah. So seriously, continue to message us and let us know your concerns and questions, whatever. Uh, this one comes from my man Prime Junior. His question was, "What's your take on uh, universal basic income, specifically Andrew Yang's position?" Uh, Andrew Yang was the guy that was running for president on the Democratic side. He proposed a universal basic income, which was called the Freedom Dividend. Basically, means if he got elected, you know, he, he has since dropped out of the race. But, well, he would have uh, had to get it through Congress, and that was unlikely. Right, yeah, and that was very unlikely. But anyways, he proposed that if he got elected, he was going to try and push a freedom dividend, which was given, which would essentially give $1,000 a month to every single American, pretty much regardless. I think I didn't read, really look into it. Um, but basically, if you were an American adult, you got $1,000 a month. And his question was, is this economically feasible? And what are some pros and cons? I replied real quick saying, I said the idea means well, but uh, essentially this could cause a lot of inflationary concerns, yep. especially when the economy is doing well, which like well, it was. And, well, it was. Uh, Markets were doing well. The economy was doing pretty well too. Um, 
And we've talked about the correlation between the economy and the markets. Markets are not I necessarily think, indicative of I think of that if you look solely health. at unemployment numbers, it's like... Um, yeah, we talked about that last I, week. I don't want to describe... So there's, there's a wound called an abscess, which essentially is it's healed on the surface, but it's infected beneath. Which, what happens is you get like stabbed by something and it causes a lot of damage and there's an infection inside, but the skin heals before like the muscle heals. So it heals from the outside and then doesn't heal inside. Unemployment numbers can be like that. We can, if we look and we go, oh, look, unemployment's very low, but we ignore the fact that that's because 60% of the economy is working part-time, but part-time at two different jobs. So they're not making enough money and they're not getting health insurance or anything else from anyone else, right? So they're spending a lot of their money, if they're insured, on insurance as opposed to actually driving the economy. Mm -hmm. Then you've got this issue of like, it's like you've got, it looks fine. But there's a lot of very serious problems underneath. Yeah, and then there's right, like, like you said a, last week, the gig economy. The gig economy is the next that one. Work, people, You're considered employed. People that work for multi-level marketing firms that don't get a paycheck unless they get other people. You get a, it's mainly a commission check. Now you're right, employed. Yeah. You're considered yeah. employed, but you're not necessarily earning money and you're certainly not getting benefits. So that's, you know, the uh, so unemployment numbers, I think that can be, that's kind of skewy there. Yeah. As for inflation, yeah, I think universal basic income is certainly going to lead to some. I haven't read it yet, but... Finland experimented with this for a few years. They did? They did. They went and um, I think they selected 2,000 people and they gave each one of them about 1,000 euros a month, as I, as I recall reading it, to see what would happen. And I have seen headlines. They've discontinued the experiment, right? Because it was, it was just, look at what happens. I have seen headlines on both sides, but those headlines were written before the actual studies were published. So well, I, I need think to like read anything those. else, when something like that happens, what people end up doing is they politicize it. Well, you go it. for whatever, whichever angle backs your view exactly. and you run with it and you hope that you're loud that's enough why, and that you get in before the scientists right. do. Yeah, before yeah, exactly. the economists that's the thing. do. That's the reason why I hate politics because you can literally go on imright.com and you'll find the answer you're looking There's for. There's a reason there are anti-vaxxers that have articles they wave around that they yeah, claim exactly, are correct. Yeah, exactly, dude. Like, you know? None of them, none of them are backed by science. So, um, um, yeah. So I got to move on. But uh, in other mm -hmm. words, Prime Junior, I just think you know. And you, you asked if it would drive down workforce participation. I don't or, know. Or I don't think wages. So. I don't think it will no. too. And I think in the short term, yeah, it'll definitely decrease the income inequality gap. The income inequality gap. Sure, not, the, not actual, not actually gosh. wealth, not wealth gap because people in the lower wealth status, socioeconomic status, when they get that freedom dividend, they have to spend high it. They have a high marginal propensity to consume. So that drives the economy. Nice. Yeah, th th that does drive the economy, but those guys can't afford to save because they're living paycheck to paycheck. Exactly. Every, every paycheck they make, it's like, okay, well, this gets me through the next week. So, so anyways, so yeah. theoretically in the long term, well, it could help you build wealth. So one more Moving question. On. Yeah, yeah, one more question. I'm so sorry this is taking forever. We promise we'll get you, we'll get you to the next topic. This one from uh, Instagram handle RowanZP, R-O-A-N-Z-P. Literally, that's how you spell it. First of all, appreciate hearing from you. Uh, thanks for the follow. Um, and thanks for your uh, fanship. Uh, he asks us the question, with a combination of fiscal policy and monetary policy being enacted throughout the U.S., do you expect large inflation to occur soon? If not, why not? What industry bubbles do you anticipate growing due to COVID? Um, and then he asked us if we wanted pina coladas, which I said, I'm, yes. not, a rum, I'm not a rum guy, but you I are. Am. I will absolutely so, drink a pina colada. Coconut, I love, I love pina colada. I'm not a coconut cream guy. But anyways, yeah. So what do you, what do you think about- oh, you're wrong. I know. I'm sorry. But <laughs> besides the point, what do you think about monetary and fiscal policy, its impact on inflation, and what, bubble, what industry bubbles do you so, think are wrong? So the United States has kept inflation very low despite expanding 
economy because it's incredibly low based solely on the fact really well, not solely but mainly like 90 percent at least on the fact that the united states is the world's sole remaining superpower and a lot of the world does business in u.s dollars so that's how we've kept that low okay well so on that subject what has the exchange rate for the u.s dollar been to other currencies it has our dollar increased in buying power compared to other currencies? Uh, compared we- to some, yes. Compared to some, no. It, it obviously it fluctuates on a minute, on a second by second basis, really, depending on demand. I mean, at every that time. second is ten cents. Like I mean, you know, ten cents one way, ten cents another way. Yeah, it know? could. It, it's moving. Um, it could you know, be. it's it's very much a stock market in there, or very similar to a stock market. So the that's how the U.S. has kept inflation very low for the last thirty years, twenty thirty years. The question you said industries being affected are bubbling. I don't think real estate will be bubbling. If we're real estate look, has already collapsed, that's why. Well, <laughs> real estate and mortgages yeah. have already like mortgage, mm-hmm. mortgage, in, the mortgage if, industry. If there's going to be Fannie, any, Freddy, if any that, industry know. is going to kind of create a bubble out of this, it's not it's a growth. It's not sustainable. I, I, my guess was tech. That's my guess. My I don't guess know if it's is, tech. For me, it might be. Why not? For tech, me, though? tech is already over leveraged. So yeah, but the ability for computing power to increase. And my stepdad and I were talking about this, like the only place where we've seen positive, because he was saying, you know, positive deflation. And so, Bob, I'm going to quote you here. Positive deflation is in computing power. We've seen a positive what? thing. It's cheaper now to get computing power than ever before. And that deflation, right? The cheaper, the cheapening of the value of computing power yeah. has driven the world economy and it's beneficial. So positive deflation. We were struggling to find positive deflation two episodes Last ago. Last episode, yeah. Last episode, yeah. It's been, a, I was away. It's been a while. So you don't think, so in, in, his, not, in reply to I that don't, question. So here's what I'll say. In reply to this, to see a bubble, we'd have to see a major, a very fast and very large surge in growth. And I don't think we're going to see that. Well, what I said, what I said in retort was like, there's a lot of deflation right now, which, which is kind of going to keep inflation from occurring soon. As far as a year from now, maybe inflation could we, be. A we thing. argued for several episodes at the very beginning of this that Powell pulled the trigger on monetary policy too early. Way too soon. I still think he did. I, I don't think, think it's his fault entirely. I do, but that's just I don't me. Think it's his fault at all, I don't know but. if there's just no one there who's a who's a pessimist, or if they were bowing to outside pressure. I don't know. If he'd said, "You think this is bad? It is going to get so much worse." And when he sits here and he says, like, oh, we have more lending facilities to, we're not empty quiver, we have more lending facilities. All he has is lending facilities now. Yeah. And I'm just sitting here going, you can't lend your way out of this. Well, hole. let's look at the fiscal side too. So low taxes have been in place for a long time, and Trump wants to lower them even more. I agree with the idea of removing the payroll tax through the end of this year. But even before COVID, well, yeah. there was a new tax plan. That wanted a lower tax. And, you know, you know me. For the most part, I like lower I'm, taxes. Corporate taxes, I'm not a huge... Corporate taxes can be high, I don't care. But it's conditional. I'm a low-tax guy if the government doesn't operate a deficit. Or if you do, or if you do operate a deficit, it can't be consecutive years. Like Correct. It's, you can have so, a 2020 deficit because no one saw that coming wasn't yeah. that out of the fucking blue yeah. but you can't be going oh yeah well, we've been running a deficit since 2001 it's like, hang on so, it's been 19 years you've had 19 years to go do we need to raise more money yeah. yes okay, well, let's, let's, yeah, let's that's, get to that's, what this impact on inflation of monetary policy no, i don't think i don't think i don't think short term and long term i think we're not going to see inflation because we've had a lack of supply i, I think inflation is being countered by you know the cheap meat that has always been the hallmark of the united states is gone now just about everything that is necessary that we would see inflation on, we're not going to see because of lack of supply. And then okay. we'll see deflation on certain goods because people panicked, bought a whole lot of toilet paper. They produced to get out of that hole, kept producing at normal levels, but now everyone's got toilet paper for four months. Yeah. And so they're not buying. So it's, it's, 
it, it'll be interesting. I don't think we'll see massive inflation. The only way we'll see inflation is if the US economy doesn't recover. Okay, there you go. So like what you're saying is once the economy comes back into circulation, once production goes back to normal levels, the oversupply of goods of finished goods and raw goods will kind of match the supply of money, of, of currency in circulation. And because of that, the inflation will kind of remain steady. Hopefully she'll remain steadily low. Okay, yeah. yeah because the demand is going back down to its no- I to, think to normal we'll, levels. As, su- as supply normalizes, we'll see that like excessive demand, panic demand, wet worry demand, yeah. well, that will go away. Gone. And things will normalize. Yeah. Yeah. Be- I think that's what we'll that's see. That's really what we'll The monetary supply has certainly gone up. Since Ooh, this, yeah. Regardless of how much it's gone up because of everything else, because of the increase. I think people are going to be, aside from people that have to consume and what people have to consume, I think this, I think the US economy is in for a major shakeup when things finally settle out. Because I think that but inflation will not be the concern. No, it won't be inflation. Okay, cool. It'll, it'll, no, it won't be inflation. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, so that's it. Aaron's um, gonna run upstairs real I'm quick. I'm gonna run upstairs real quick to grab another another beer. Do you, do you want one while I'm up there? Yes, please. Okay, cool. Uh, before we move on to our next subject, one more thing I we forgot to mention in our last episode Absolutely. about inflation. I'm so sorry that I forgot to mention this. The group of people that inflation hurts most is creditors. Oh, so, yeah. It's fantastic. If you're the borrower and someone's like, hey, you pay me back $3,000 and then suddenly- That 3000 the inflation rate is, let's say the inflation rate is 100%. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so like you borrow $3,000 today, well, that $3,000 a year from now is worth, or no, whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Summer math. Yeah, we could work something, it. Something like that. But so, you'd be able to sit there and go like, but oh. Then, but, then the, but then the creditor is like, oh, geez, I'm only making half my money back. You're not even so, making money. You're losing money at that point. Yeah, and, and, the bar, saying, and the borrower is yeah, going like, I got money for free. Yeah. So anyways, uh, I'm going to run upstairs, grab another beer, and then we're going to talk about bankruptcy. It's taking forever for us to get but here. We're going to run through all six chapters. Yeah. Three of them very, very quickly. Anyways, I'll be right back. Cheers. No. I <laughs> That might be a stretch. But. No, it's definitely a big stretch. I'm not Jesus Christ. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> no, so now we're back. We're talking about bankruptcy today. So what happens when you owe more than you can pay? Someone gets angry at you. What happens when a lot of people are angry at you? Well, there's a few ways you could do this historically. They come to your house, kill you, and take your things. But I like to think we live in slightly more civilized times. So at some point, you go to a federal court and you petition for protection. What kind of well, protection? Bankruptcy protection. Well, I mean, that's your choice if you don't want to go to jail. I mean, we're not... Thinking. We don't have debtor jails in this country. Well, I'm saying that if you want to kill someone and take their assets. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, there's also the legal question of just because you kill someone, can you take their assets? This isn't... Um, what, was that movie? what was that movie with Mark Wahlberg um, in Miami? Pain and Gain? Oh, God. The, oh, the Michael Bay movie? Was it? It's, it's, over, it's, it's over he, The dude, Rock, and someone else like dude, murder Michael, people and dude, steal I'm their stuff. You, it's Michael Bay, dude. I, I believe. I, one I, of the funniest movies I've seen... Based on a true story, because it's Florida, yeah, so but it's also of course it directed is. by Michael Bay. Like I respect Michael. That's Bay. That's true. He only did one explosion, so that makes sense. Well, this is my thing because, like, because I respect Michael Bay. Like he knows what teenage boys want. I mean, he, he is so yeah. Megan Fox, such, Boom, and Transformers original voices. He dude, had me he, at hello. Like it's seriously incredible how how much of a marketing genius that guy is. Like he's incredible. Like so, I respect Michael Michael Bay, but I hate his movies. So. <laughs> 
probably have to cut that part out. No, I'm okay with admitting that. All right, so but. I guess the reason we've talk, we're talking about bankruptcy this week is if you've looked at the news at any oh, point yeah. in the last three weeks, J.C. Penny, Pier One Imports, Neiman Marcus, Hertz, um, just last Friday. Oh yeah, uh, Hertz. Hertz I want to say too. Whiting. Well, there's, but there's like um, twenty of them, dude. There's a yeah, there were twenty. Two two big like. ones out of the oil industry. Historically, we've seen country uh, companies like GE, Procter Gamble, and then General Motors. Every airline you've ever flown on has definitely, definitely done it. Yeah. So why do we care about bankruptcy? Why do we care about the six chapters of bankruptcy? Which is weird because they're not chapter one through six. They're chapter seven. 11, 12, 13, 12, 13 15, 15, and 9. And 9, and nine. nine for the municipalities. So 9 and 15 right. are the ones we're going to blow through really, really quickly. We're just going to say what they do, and we're really going to kind of skip them because we could do deep episodes on at least 9, but we don't think well, that... if you look at a pie chart of bankruptcy filings, I mean, there's millions of, of bankruptcy filings mm-hmm. a year. You look at the pie chart, I mean, it's it's a fraction of a percent. A fraction of a yeah. fraction of a percent. Now, one of these is also a is, fraction is, of a percent. It's very, very low, and that's chapter 12. And we're going to kind of dive deep on that one, because yeah. I think one for the area of... But even fewer than chapter 12 is chapter 9 and chapter 15. Absolutely. Right? So, so chapter 9 is um, the uh, bankruptcy procedure for municipalities, so cities, counties. I guess theoretically states, although... I don't believe that a state has ever defaulted. I don't think a state has ever ever filed for chapter nine. The interesting thing is when you when you see cities, counties, that, that's what it covers. It's so it's just municipalities, and that's the chapter they have to file under because essentially they're not for profits yeah. at their very beginning, at and, their inception, and, and so essentially they're they're paying off their debts from taxpayer from taxpayer yes. revenues. So. They're using other. They're using the money of their residents and citizens. That, so it, it it creates a very interesting um, issue for the court and the trustee. Chapter fifteen is for internet uh, for international firms. So it's firms that are either based outside the U.S. or firms in the U.S. that are also based other places that are facing bankruptcy. Essentially, right, so like if Royal Bank of Canada decided to, to declare on, bankruptcy, they do take on a lot of U.S. debt. Mm-hmm. Right? If they did declare for bankruptcy, it's like, okay, well, to get their U.S. protection, their U.S. bank protection, they have to go through chapter yeah. 15 in the U.S. code. Yeah. So, so 15, essentially, the way my reading, uh, the way I understand it is essentially it creates a structure that lines up, that allows all the bankruptcy courts in the multiple nations to work together to find an equitable solution right, to, the yeah. bank, to, to the bankruptcy question and to the restructuring if, it's, if, it, if a restructuring is happening. So those are the two ones we're just going to skip over really fast. Yeah. Uh, real quick though, yep. municipalities and can foreign companies that have a lot of U.S. debt can they file for Chapter Seven on the U.S. Code? My guess would be yes. Okay, but I do not know. I think they I don't would know for sure either. That's why I'm um, asking. No, you. actually, I can say for account a municipality. No, a municipality could not file Chapter Seven. So a Chapter Seven bankruptcy is the straight is a straight bankruptcy. It's the so liquid. If it's a public park that a real estate developer was like. You know, if they file for Chapter Seven, the, but that'd be a good because idea. The, because the county doesn't own well, the county owns it, but it owns it in the name of the citizens. The citizens have paid for it. The citizens, oh, okay, that makes sense. right? Yeah. So so the, so they could have a referendum as the county to decide whether or not they want to sell it to the developer. Okay, yeah. But the developer can't come into a weak area and then just seize the land. Yeah. So what what about foreign companies? I don't. I'm sure a foreign company could liquidate its American assets and it wouldn't be an issue. But that being said, there's probably the fact they'd have to go under Chapter Fifteen. 15 and they just allow for the total liquidation within the U.S. Yeah, because Chapter 15, like when they structure, it's multiple it, it's courts between, talking. Well, yeah, and it's and it's usually between the creditor. There's a trustee involved, and then the so, editor, so right? the basic process for bankruptcy is. Um, so we're, we're going to define a few terms here. There's the creditor and the debtor. The creditor is the person that loaned money or that is or that is owed money. And then the debtor is the person that borrows money or that owes money. 
right? So you can you can be a creditor or a debtor without having borrowed money, but you do that with, say, buying on account. I will buy this good from you and I promise to pay you within 30 days, right? So that makes a, that creates the creditor. De- the moment you create the transaction, you become creditor and debtor. Then we have the trustee who is a representative of the court. Mm-hmm. Bankruptcy courts in the United States are a federal issue. They're not state by state, although there are state exemptions on a state by state level that you can take advantage of if you've lived in a state for about two, for, I think it's two years. But the trustee is the person who's appointed by the court after all the in-court process. The trustee oversees everything and keeps the creditor happy and honest and the debtor absolutely honest. Yeah. So what's, real quick, what are the credentials of a trustee? Do they need an accounting background? Do they need a finance background? Do they need, are they an appraiser? To, to my knowledge, no. Usually it's, um, usually it's an attorney is my it's understanding. Because I feel like if you're a trustee, you have to have some experience praising assets. You know well, what I mean? So they will bring in professionals to do that prior. So like you will have someone come in and appraise the yeah, value just, of everything. The trustee is someone who, so they bring in experts to do all that. The trustee is just a, um, so here we go. It's an officer of the Department of Justice um, insane, to represent yeah. the debtor's estate in bankruptcy proceedings. That's it. They have the ultimate authority on distribution, but they are bound by the court. Yeah. The job of the trustee is to protect the debtor to the extent allowable by yeah, because law. The, one of the most important jobs of a trustee is to say like, hey, these assets are, are like, exempt. They're off touch, limits. You can't touch it. Yeah. So, so we've got the chapters we want to talk about now. Yeah. Let's start with chapter seven, the easiest. Chapter seven, yeah, the easiest one. Everybody can file for chapter seven, except for, like we said, municipalities. And, and maybe internationals, but under 15, you can okay. definitely liquidate. And under under nine, I don't think you can liquidate. I, I, I don't think... They would, I don't think you could allow a county to liquidate or a city to liquidate its property. So chapter seven is a straight up bankruptcy. It's a, it's a liquidation Game bankruptcy. Over. Game over. This company is done. Its employees are all gone. Its stock is now zero. It's worthless. Yeah. And, so if you're um, a business, if you're a business and you file for chapter seven, if you're not it's publicly over. traded, Game it's over. done, whatever, you liquidate all of your current assets, mm-hmm. all of your long-term assets. Everything. If you, if you liquidate your long-term assets, you're getting pennies on a dollar. Like there's just no way you're getting your money Yeah, back. The only way I can describe, the easiest way I think to describe chapter seven is for anyone who's seen Aliens, it's when um, it's when you've got Hudson. The second C- one, the uh, two, with, with the, the S. With the S, yeah. With the Marines. Well, the first one is Ridley Scott. The second one is James yes. Cameron. Yes. The first one is Alien. Um, the second one is Aliens. Yeah, dude. I love, there's I, more I'm than a one. huge Ridley Scott fan, but anyways. Yeah, I'm a huge well, Alien. I love Aliens. Well, of course. Yeah, the whole franchise is great. Uh, well, gets a little dodgy after three. And even three is a little dodgy. Well, three's, three's the prison three planet. sucks but, because like, it, it was a production nightmare. And one of the greatest directors to ever live directed Aliens 3. He had a great cast, too. You look yeah, at the cast. Was, so it's a great director, great cast, but it was a complete production nightmare. So if you hate if you hate David Fincher because of Aliens 3, you're an idiot. I don't hate it. I just think it's one I of those. I love David Fincher. He's I wish they. I mean, I love that they brought back Bishop, but I wish they brought back Newt and or. Anyways, X. okay. So so what, so the only way I can say is, is when uh, my man, man Bill Paxton as Hudson is just said, "Game over, man. Game over." That's chapter, chapter seven. seven right chapter there. Seven. Game over, man. It's done. You're gonna liquidate everything. Every single asset you got, you're gonna sell it, and then you're gonna pay back every one of your debtors proportionally. You're gonna pay back every single one of your. Um, um, preferred shareholders if you have enough money after you've paid off your debtors and then you're actually going to even if you have enough money to pay that off which is very unlikely you're going to pay out Equity to your holders. common shareholders yeah. generally speaking your common shareholders are not going to get a penny at that point well, it's it's okay, a so it's not a good the, thing well that's that's not necessarily true because well, no one liquidates on a, no one liquidates on a good day aaron 
Yeah, no, <laughs> that's, that's so, that way. So, so I, like, but I'm just saying. If you, like, so when you file Chapter 7, it's game over. You're selling every single asset the company's got. You're paying out every bit of cash. You're selling inventory, probably at a loss, just to get it off your you're books. You're selling everything at a loss. Or, I'm sorry, you're paying, off, you're, you're, too. you're paying off your creditors. And then if you've got any money left over, you're paying maybe pennies to your shareholders on the dollar. And, yeah, and that's why equity holders generally... I mean, your return potential is higher if you're an equity holder because in the case of Chapter 7, which we talked about in maybe like five episodes ago, I don't remember. I was drinking. In Episode 7, not in Chapter 7. We're talking about Chapter 7 now. In Episode 7. Is it Episode 7? You said Chapter 7, though. Well, okay, well, if you file for... Cha- I'm saying, if you file for Chapter... If company that you hold equity in files for Chapter 7, you don't... Like, you get paid last, which is why mm-hmm. if you do hold equity in any company, your return potential is a lot higher than if you hold debt in any company. Greater risk, greater reward. Right, is yeah. The, is the basic tenet of that's equity ownership. Literally the basic tenet of finance in general, so... Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely true. So that's chapter seven. It's the, the... The jig is up, the party's over, go home, you're drunk. You're cut off. Like that kind of thing. Now, chapter 11 is a restructuring. So when you yeah, often... So how does that work? So when you often hear the term bankruptcy thrown around, it's thrown around as they're filing for bankruptcy protection, not just filing for bankruptcy. So bankruptcy... Well, J.C. Penney, for instance, they filed for chapter 11. Chapter bankruptcy protection. Yeah. Pure one imports to Just seven. file for bankruptcy. They were out. So what happens is when you go to court, when you go, when you go to bankruptcy court... You know, there's the trustees, there's the judge, there are the experts who get to sit there and you can file for bankruptcy protection under any chapter you qualify for, usually chapter 11. Now, it may turn out that in court, the court might say there is no feasible way with markets, with market trends as they are, with valuations as they are, and with your outstanding debt as it is, that you can ever make good. So a court push you down to chapter and a seven. court can force you into it. Can say you do not qualify. But it works the other way around too, because like the creditor can be like, no, 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 no hold on a second. Like, exactly you, right. You can if a creditor you know, if a creditor is willing to maybe if they see like, well, my only option if I keep trying for this is to see chapter seven and not get enough money back. Yeah, because creditors creditors don't have want, a huge amount of power in bankruptcy. Yeah, and creditors do not want they never want you to file for chapter seven. Like, no. I mean, that's that's the end of the why world. Why on I, earth? I, I, why would I want to get back seventy? five cents on the dollar and that's a good day when i could literally sit at this and go if i don't need the cash i can sit here and go fine i'll take six percent interest every year on my debt yeah i'll take that revenue because flow. if you take if you take 75 cents on the dollar you're also missing out on like it's 75 cents on a dollar oh six because of the interest rate right mm-hmm. so you're missing out on the extra six cents that you could be making back every dollar uh-huh. or whereas, whatever the interest rate may be right so whereas you say yeah. i'll settle for six percent and you maybe go Eventually, I'll get my money back. But even if I don't, in perpetuity, that cash flow can be very good. Yeah. But it all depends on what your needs are personally as the creditor or as the creditor, if you're an institution or institutionally as the creditor. Yeah. If you need that cash now, maybe 75 cents is a win. You only need half that money for what you need to do. Well, may you, maybe yeah. you force the company into Chapter 7. You go, yeah, yeah. nope, so I want my money. A question that I really wanted to get answered mm-hmm. just for my own curiosity. And if you don't share this curiosity with me, I'm sorry. But so let's say like you're a conglomerate. Right, so like let's let's say you like Lionsgate, Lionsgate, sure. the the movie company. One of their big subsidiaries is a TV company called Stars. Right, so let's say if Star could could Stars by themselves could they fall? They never they never would because Stars is making more making as much money as yes. Lionsgate probably is, but. But they so stars themselves, even though they're owned by Lionsgate, they could file for bankruptcy. Yes, they can. And when you file for bankruptcy, my understanding is essentially you, if you're a publicly traded company, you need the um, the board. But Lionsgate is a publicly traded company. Stars obviously is not. No, it's a private. It's a subsidiary. 
Yeah. So what happened so, is you'd have to have you, you'd have you'd have yeah. some accountant come in and there'd be a lot of things being done. But the CFO would probably come into the board with the CEO and they'd say, "All right, we have two options. We can fold operations for stars. We could just discontinue, but we're still on the hook for the debt, uh-huh. or we can file for bankruptcy. This this particular subsidiary can file for bankruptcy, and we'll take a little bit of a hit, yeah. but the, the damage will flow up." But yeah, the lack of future revenue will flow up, but yeah. that's it. In this case, because freaking stars is awesome. It's still going to be there. So the, yeah. the, the reason one files for bankruptcy is because um, essentially two things. If you're a company or a corporation, when you incorporate, you incorporate to protect your personal assets versus the business assets. Business fails, you are indemnified. You are protected. Yeah. It's called it's called the, the corporate veil. Yeah, well, that's how people are encouraged to, to start LLCs or s Corps. Because mm-hmm. then your private assets are protected from your business assets in the event of a lawsuit, in the event of business failure. When you file for bankruptcy, it's because you're essentially saying whatever I was doing is no longer viable and I need to be able to come out the other side of this protection. Now, liquidation, it's over. I mean, a person could file for liquidation, but generally speaking, you wouldn't want no, every, to. Like, you and I could definitely file for Chapter 7. But you wouldn't if want we had too to. Much credit, yeah, if we had too much credit card debt. You wouldn't want to. It, it would be more beneficial to file for Chapter 11. So the entire premise of Chapter 11 is restructuring. Yeah. And the idea of restructuring is the debtor is forced to um, negotiate with the creditors, and the creditors are going to have to essentially sit there at a point and they go, okay, either, they, either the creditor will defer payments on the debt for a period, or will restructure the payments on the debt for a period, or will accept that they have to mark down the debt. So maybe they they used to say, well, you owe me a thousand dollars and now it's well fine, I'll take eight hundred. Yeah. Chapter eleven, that's how kind of corporations run it. It's that restructuring where they're protected from creditors being able to seize their assets and so they can continue to operate with the idea that future cash flows will allow them to pay the debt off as well as keep all their employees around. It's the idea that the stakeholders the, the needs of the stakeholders and therefore the communities outweigh the needs of the creditor. Because yeah, chapter 13 is usually, there's a contract. Involved, so right? I guess to, to skip, so chapters 12 and 13, chapter 12 is for family farmers and family fishermen. Yeah, which, which in a minute we'll We'll talk about that on, one and we're really yeah. going to hound on that one. Chapter 13, 13. is for, um, is I think the way it was specifically written is wage earners. And um, well, people with cash flows. I, I think specifically they mean wage earners. They mean really? people, you have to work, for, you can't own your own business. You have to work for someone. And I'd like a, I'd be able to say I consistently make a blank amount a year. So, so like, salaried employees, well, who, salaried employees stable like, cash flows, but you don't work for yourself. Right. Yeah. It's kind of how well, I guess because that technically is not stable. Exactly. You know, stable, stable cash flows, you work for someone else. And so the idea of chapter 13 is that you enter personally a, um, a period of austerity yeah. where you live on a shoestring budget. So in chapters 12 and 13, you have three to five years to pay off your debt to, to make your creditors whole. And you have to have a low enough outstanding debt and a high enough income or shown ability to earn that you could say, essentially, it's not impossible for me to do this. It will be very difficult for me to do this, but I need my creditors to agree to a payment plan, essentially, and then leave me alone. So it's it's, it's a 35-year contract. Three to if five, you, yeah. Yeah, so if, but what if you have so much long-term debt? If you have too much debt, if you have so much outstanding but it's, but it's not, debt. I'm not saying like too much debt. I'm saying like, what if the majority of your debt is long-term they debt. They don't care about long or short. They say outstanding debt. So it's like, no matter how, how long, much if, debt. if it's 30-year debt, 25-year debt, 20-year how much debt, debt, it's like, yep. bam, five years. You have 35 years to pay it off. Well, generally speaking, if you're if you're at a point where I'm starting to look at bankruptcy proceedings, trust me, my 30-year creditors are looking at this with interest and going, hang on, I'll take pennies on the dollar versus nothing. 
wouldn't you? Yeah, but okay. If if, what I'm, what, if someone what, what if, if you're ask, if, if you discontinue to be a going concern, every single one of your creditors is going to come in really quick and go, "Hang on, you owe me something." Okay, but also in those three to five years, if you're a business, mm-hmm. so businesses have to file under Chapter Eleven. They can't file under Twelve or Thirteen. Okay, except family farms or family so fishermen. If you just a normal human being. Mm-hmm. You file for Chapter Thirteen. Could you still take on more debt in that period? No. And, so in those 35 years, you cannot use a credit you card. May not, you may not incur more debt without okay. the trustee's permission. So you can't even use a credit card swipe to buy groceries. So you could use, unless- a, de- you could use a debit card swipe, but you would no, you would not be able to use a credit card That's swipe. That's what I'm saying, because a debit card- Unless, unless, during, unless during the- Right, so without permission. So unless you so say like, if, well- If the trustee says, okay, you can have $100 a month, in debt. Yes, in then, then debt. you're okay. And then, you have to then, pay that off every you have to pay that off every month. You have to pay it off every month. Yeah, it can't it can't so that roll over. Incurred then it's onto fine. your it's fine. It's, p- it's part of your plan. That can't be good for your but credit you, score, but whatever. Well, I I mean well, none of this stuff is good for anyone's credit score. Filing for bankruptcy is demonstrably bad for your credit score. But sometimes it's the only thing you can do. Yeah. Um, well, chapter seven is actually demonstrably bad. Chapter chapter eleven and thirteen. Well, the, here's the thing: is you you, know, you file for bankruptcy and creditors suddenly don't want to loan money to you. Now, if usually, they look at, usually they don't. Yeah. Now, if but, they look at you and they realize, oh, it was a chapter twelve or a chapter thirteen, but the rules of credit would say. No, any bankruptcy is bad. Chapters 12 or 13 that are successfully worked through, I would look at that and I'd go, as a creditor, I would look at those and I would go, I'll work with this person. Because they realized they were in trouble. They sought protections. They made me whole. They made their creditors whole. It shows discipline and it shows industry. Well, they've all gone through chapter 11. Every airline company. I mean, almost every single one has filed for chapter 11. Every single one has. You're saying... Without a doubt, every within in one the has. U.S., every single one. Okay. one of the major carriers, not necessarily the regional carriers, but the, the major carrier ones. American, Delta, all those guys. Yeah. yeah. So, so the the publicly traded American airlines have all filed for Chapter Eleven at one point right. or another. Yeah, so, at least okay. at least one. Yeah, at least once. And they still have a lot of debt. If you look at their balance sheets, they still have a lot boy, of they debt. Have, boy, do they. So, boy, howdy. So obviously, credit sentiment to them is still... Well, they are a business that is not going anywhere. Right. So it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those things that you look at and it goes, well, okay. Well, if they all failed, I mean, the government's going to be there and be like, okay, hold on. Don't, don't die yet. Well, I there's mean, so many stakeholders. We'll there's so many stakeholders in airlines. And it's not just... I don't just mean... The mechanics, the flight attendants, the pilots, all oil. of those unions. There's also, oil, you've also got the oil, the fuel, the financials. But here's the most important. How are people going to get from A to B? Amtrak? But yeah, if, but if, I've, got, if one, I've got, if if I've got one, three days. Okay, but, but if Southwest fails, I mean, you still Southwest have American, for, you still have Delta, you still have, you still have Alaska. But not, still, but, not, but not servicing all the same routes. And it's one of the things where the, the consumer is considered a stakeholder for these purposes. And that's why they really don't like letting airlines go under. Stakeholder is such a loose term. It is. It can, it can include only employees and shareholders. It can include journalists to talk about them. <laughs> it, it, well, I mean, truly, if your expertise is discussing airlines, then yeah, you're, then you're, you, you're a stakeholder. stakeholder. If your magazine publication that talks about airlines, you're you're stakeholder. a stakeholder because if they go major, away, your business is gone. So yeah. yeah, no. So so stakeholder, but the consumer, the the passenger. Boy, is there a we need these airlines. 
Yeah. We need, and we need more than one, so we're not dealing with a monopoly. And we need more than two, so it's not a duopoly. We need more than three, so it's not an oligarchy. We need four or five. Which that's about exactly the Which is about we what we've got. And that's, you know, Sherman Antitrust Act tells us we can't, we can't have fewer. And we and have to have- They can't gobble each other up. And they can't gobble each other up at this point. But they've- They kind of have to work together at this point. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the way, they kind of the way they've done it with these smaller, like, regional airlines that fly under their banner, but aren't actually them. And it's- Yeah, like Allegiant. Alaskan, oh yeah, yeah. but we but you can't have the airlines disappear, right? Yeah. So that's and so that's what and that's why we there's say there's always collusion laws against all of them too. So, so and so that's why like, we have things like Chapter Eleven. These things need to be restructured because it would be more damaging if the company were to fold to more than just the creditors. So the creditor is important, but society at large is also involved in bankruptcy and is also considered in bankruptcy. And we saw that in 2008 with the financial institutions. Well, we saw some other things there too. I know that's a terrible, terrible analogy, but that was the first thing that I thought of. No, you're right. It's it's yeah. the idea that. If, if we allow in the Great Depression banks failed and because the banks failed the and then just terrible monetary well, and fiscal well, policy the economy failed well because there's two like bankruptcy happens when there's insolvency issues there mm-hmm. are two types of insolvency issues there's there's cash solvency flow, issues. solvency. Insolvency is the issue. <laughs> insolvency, yeah, whatever. But there's cash flow insolvency, and then there's balance sheet insolvency. Correct. Two very, very different things. In a way, we saw a lot of- um, We saw a lot of cash flow. It was cash flow. It was cash flow. Yeah. There wasn't enough cash, but there, the assets, was, things weren't liquid. Everything was frozen. The assets were there, but there wasn't the cash flows to back those assets. So. Well, there was also some question on the value of the assets. That's, which, which a lot of those back to the cash flows, right? Gonna, yeah. We're going to go back to our 08. We're going to, trust me, we're going to do- uh, We're going to do a long we're gonna, episode. Trust, we're going to do- We'll we're, probably get more than one episode out of 08. We might do a series on it's 08. It's probably going to be a short yeah. series, folks. Anyways, okay, so let's move on to chapter 12. So chapter 12. So, so we talk about chapter 13, and that chapter 13 is the- uh, you, you work for a company, you have a you have an annual salary, owe a lot of money, and you can afford to pay it off. It's just going to be really difficult. You file for chapter 13 instead of chapter 11. In chapter 11, some of your assets are sold. They're taken from you and they're sold to appease your creditors. And then you may have to pay them off more or maybe you don't. So in chapter 11, yeah, when you come up with a new plan, you come with a plan come, and, right, so, and you yeah. lose some things. Now, there's generally, a new, there's a new fixed income. Exactly. Yeah. Chapter 13 is essentially they don't sell any of your things. You just have a fixed income and all the rest goes to paying off your debt. Yeah. Um, in chapter 11, some of the things that are exempted from being able to be seized and be sold are things like your house, at least one car, any tools you might need for your trade. The idea of bankruptcy protection in the United States is that when you enter bankruptcy, you must be able to exit bankruptcy with the means to succeed. It's not just, I'm going to take everything you've gotten and throw you on the street. It's no, when you leave bankruptcy, you must be in a position to continue to be a viable yeah, economic so they're not, entity. Yeah, so obviously, they're not going to take your house. They might take your car. And say, or they might take a portion of the equity in your home, okay, right? So they might yeah. do that, but they're not going to But it depends. You. But it depends on how much of the equity of your home that you own and how much yes, you if you outright make. own your house, they might force you to take a mortgage. They might your remortgage your home. Or, oh, you have a boat? Well, your boat's gone unless you need the boat to get to, to your jobs. And then to the Venice, right? right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so these are options. So now chapter 12, my favorite one. And we're going to look at this. very, specific. It is extremely specific. In fact, so in 2019, there were only like 500, or sorry, 2019, there were only 595 filings of chapter 12. Chapter 12 applies specifically family farmer farmers. and the family fisherman. Now, I'm going to ignore the family fisherman because... I like that you're looking at my notes. But anyways, I am. I'm going to ignore the family fisherman because I don't know any family fisherman. Yeah, um, I but I do know either. some family farmers. I don't live in Maine, so I don't know any I was gonna family say, fishermen. I don't live in... I don't live in uh, <laughs> I was going to say Maine or Massachusetts. So I, don't, <laughs> I don't live there. I don't, 
I don't know any I've fishermen. Been to, I've been to Maine like eight times in my life. I love Maine. I love it's Maine. Beautiful. I, well, I'd it's love to go. Gorgeous. Yeah. So if we look at chapter twelve from the perspective of the family farmer, chapter twelve says you have to qualify in and then have outstanding debt. I think of less than about four million dollars as the family farmer. I'm sorry. Why do they have? Why do they have a dollar cap on that? I think it's because the premise is that if you're larger than that, you have other options. Restructuring under chapter eleven is probably better for you if you have more than. And it's I'm looking right here. It's four million one hundred fifty-three thousand one hundred and fifty dollars. If you're so farming, small, so and it's a small cap farmers, family farm. Okay. Oh, well, when you say it like that, it makes a lot more sense. It's not like you were saying that earlier, except no, for the York. It's, it's family farms. It's for family farmers. So you have to have total debts exceeding not more than four point one five million dollars. At least fifty percent of that debt has to be fixed. An individual or husband and wife must both be engaged in the farming operation or the fishing operation, but where I'm looking at the city of farming, yes, and then yeah. more than half of the gross income of an individual or a husband and wife must come from the farm in the preceding tax year. So the funny thing is, is that chapter 12 is very new. Chapter 12 is a response to the farming crisis in the 1980s. Okay. And it was written not to be permanent. It was written to expire, I think, in 95. And then it didn't expire in 90. It was renewed in 92 or 93, maybe. And then um, it was made permanent in 2005. And they have done this in a way that's similar to Chapter 13. So you have to be able to prove certain cash flows of your farm. And then um, you yeah. can go in and you can file under Chapter 12, which is essentially to say, you again, have three to five years. You'll create a plan that says, this is how I'm going to, based on previous cash flows, here's my three to five year plan. I will make full payments, all my claims, unless a creditor were to decide, I'll step back and I'll let you. Right. And for the record, so I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but if you look at a pie chart of all the bankruptcy filings in the US. This is the smallest sliver. Isn't it? No, no, I would say or it's 15. Or no, nine I would say, I would say probably 9 and 15 are the two smallest slivers. Chapter 12 is the next smallest. And then I would say 90% of them are chapter 11. 5% is chapter 7. And then like 3, 4% is chapter 13. And then okay. like the last 1% is shared by 12, which we're talking about now. Yeah. And then 9 and 15. So, yeah. Like I said, uh, in 2019, there were 595. Compared places. to 3 million almost. Yeah, so, 3 million or so. Or at least nearly two million. Yeah, it's usually, it's we usually like two at. and a half, two and a half million a year. But the um, the reason we're bringing this up more harping on chapter twelve is that if you heard us when we talked about supply chain and inflation, there's some very serious issues facing farmers in this country right now. Yeah. Entertainingly, I think fishermen might be in a slightly better place with cheaper fuel costs. Right, yeah, I <laughs> I, which but, is I, it yeah, just occurred yeah, to me but that like if you talk about inflation, because I feel like inflation is usually stacked up against. Well, I mean, also like certain commodities, right? Well, well, that and also you've got, so you've got like these wheat farmers. Which are produced by farmers. So as you get this point where it's, it's suddenly grain farmers and then also cattle ranchers and pig farmers are at a point where they have product, but they can't sell it. And so it's this question of they have assets. Um, what's the problem with maybe just holding on to the, the beef and then slaughtering it later? Well, it turns out that if you graze cattle too long, they get too wide. For the mechanized slaughter shoots. Really? Yeah. That's actually an so issue. So they'll, they'll get too big. And that's why and so that's why you like wow. to Yeah. So it's it's you think that in this day and age they can make really flexible cattle shoots that can actually fit. Well, generally speaking, when you're moving something towards death, you want it to be really restrained. <laughs> yeah, no, but you can but uh, yeah. usually you think in this day and age you can you can have something that fits a really fat cow. A really fat and cow, and cow yeah. It squeezes it in there, and then it's, but, it's like now I can't move and then bop. Yeah, and then, then the pneumatic shots that you yeah. think that, but apparently that's the that's one of the issues is that it's made for 
for animals that aren't bigger than a certain size. And so you get them to the slaughterhouse by a certain period of the year before they've gotten too wide or I can't too. That's actually an issue. And so that, but, and so yeah. that's why it gets to the point where it's like, well, also this thing isn't worth being alive. But also on top of that, you also have the economy of the fact that you've got these ranchers and these pig farmers going. I can't afford to feed it. Yeah. You know, when we're slaughtering two hundred thousand a yeah. day, I can't afford to keep this many cattle on my on my ranch because I don't have the acreage to feed them. So like they'll tear the afford, ground up. So too you much. can't afford all this stuff. You file for chapter twelve. What happens? But you say essentially you get to go. I, I, the reason I'm suggesting that chapter twelve is probably going to we're going to probably going to see an increase in the next in this year and in next year. It isn't because um, they've incurred more debt. It's because they've in, they've received less revenue than historically they have. And it's boils down to because of these meat packaging plants can't buy enough. Can't, yeah, no one's buying because you can't. Well, can, uh, well, I'm not going to buy if I can't process. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. God damn it, you beat me to it. Okay, yeah. well, go on. So if I if I'm not going to buy because I can't process, then suddenly I'm not. You know, where where last year maybe in uh, May I purchased four million pigs from my processing plant. Yeah, but now you have to cut half your staff, and they can't process four million. So pigs. so let's say so at best like, for processing at fifty percent capacity, I can now only buy five hundred thousand pigs. Well, there's 500,000 pigs out somewhere that are just, no, well, that are being well, slaughtered no, and put into the ground. Well, you said 4 million, so 2 million. Now there's sorry, two, you're right. Sorry, it's a million a week. It's a million a week. So it's 4 million a month. Yeah. Yeah, so, so maybe I'm only buying 2 million this month. And, but now um, there's 2 million pigs that are just like, well, yeah, but, remember, but, but also as the farmer, when I bred these pigs, yeah, so I, as a farmer, you to keep I had these a point pigs. where I had a point where I said before I, before I kill them, however I kill them and bullets cost money. 25 cents a round. You add that up to 2 million. That's a lot of rounds. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. So bullet manufacturers, I guess if we're shooting pigs or animals, great job. It's, it's at least stabilizing your revenues, but. But for these but guys, you, they, they're they not only use bullets anymore. I mean, well, you're you're probably not. You're probably taking it to a group that is gonna do it with a pneumatic press. You ever seen the movie with No Control Men? Yeah. So like that thing that the Anton Chigurh uses, where he yeah. presses like in the remember in that beginning where he's yeah, like, the pneumatic, "Would you hold still, please?" And then he like, you know, yeah, dude, I love that movie. I'm sorry, I, I love. But it. the the I issue will be is aside from them just killing them and swinging them around, the is you've got these. You've got these farmers, these ranchers who are going, this stock that I was bringing to slaughter had a dollar value of revenue for me yeah. to offset the expenses incurred in raising that I've already spent. I already bought- the, Now the revenue you know, is coming in. If it comes in, it comes in at a way later time. Or at a much so, lower price. Yeah. Because like you said Everyone's, earlier, now you have too many pigs. If I've got, if I've got five people here trying to sell me a pig at a dollar, I'm going to go, well, I'll start buying at 50 cents. Yeah, because the supply chain, like the slowdown slows back up because like you're, huh? as the farmer, you're thinking, okay, well, hold on. This process, meat processing and packaging plant, they're still going to demand this much from me. So now I'm going to keep my supply up and all of a sudden they cut half the staff. So they cut half the processing. You, yeah. yeah. They cut half the processing and your supply chain, like when they tell you, even if they tell you right away, it's like, I'm, well, I already got it. I already, got, already, already, have, pig. already, I already have, got a cow. I already have like 8 million two-year-old pigs. What am I going to do with all these pigs? Exactly right. You're sitting so here going, like, you're sitting here going, what do you mean? So it's okay. Like, cool. Like, cool. You told me right off the bat, you can only afford to buy blank. Well, I, I started raising this cow two years ago Yes, or, and, or and this, this, this calf was just born. Right. And it's not, and, and it's not their fault. It's not the makeup, makeup plans fault because like they yeah. have to cut half their staff. So it's, you're caught between a rock and a hard place, right? Like, exactly. The farmer is like, okay, now I have way too many pigs. I have to slash the prices on all these pigs to get some more. Or I'm going to have to sell some at a price that's lower. But right, even yeah, then, exactly. like, what do I do with the ones that I can't sell? I can't afford to keep them because that's just an excess expense. So I'm going to have to kill them. Kill them. 
what are you going to do? Let the vultures eat them. You yeah, know? no, it's, it's exactly right. Is, is you've got this massive increase in supply and this massive, yeah. I don't want to say it's because the funny thing is it's supply hasn't changed on the ability to raise the animal and demand hasn't changed on aside from like schools, right. but the, the, the consumer in the grocery stores demand hasn't changed for meat. It's that guy in between yeah, but you, that so, is now yeah. weak. And, and this goes <laughs> back to all the questions we were answering earlier. You talk about inflation, right? Inflation, I feel like stacks up, like I said earlier, stacks up the best with commodities because you have to buy this stuff, right? So if the price of pigs and cows and chicken and all that kind of stuff, if that goes down because the farmers have too many chickens on stock and they're just trying to get rid of them, like they, mm-hmm. we'll take a, pennies a, a liquidation. Yeah, liquidation. Exactly. Essentially. essentially almost liquidation because it's like a Every, everything must go, you know, right? right? Like they have to get rid of these chickens. So because of that, the price of chickens goes down, the price of cows go down. Once this all gets lifted. Well, once it gets out to the top, yeah. People see, oh, chicken's that cheap. I'll buy way more chicken and less steak. So the price of well, steak has to go hopefully, down. Hopefully they don't do that because they'll buy probably just as much because if they do buy way more chicken, it's like, okay, well, now we have demand-driven price levels. Well, yeah, what I mean, right? but what I mean is like if I'm sitting here going, I'm gonna spend four dollars on chicken and it used to be four dollars for a pound of chicken now it's two dollars for i'm gonna buy two pounds of chicken like, well i'm gonna spend four dollars on chicken anyway i'll take twice the chicken yeah but which is what will happen that's the judge that's that's supply driven that's not demand it's not i want more chicken it's just that i can afford to buy more chicken okay yeah sorry that is supply driven sorry i'm I'm, I'm visualizing demand driven uh, is when they tell me that chicken's suddenly good for my heart and the steak is bad hold on man i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm visualizing the demand schedule backwards in my head because i've had way too much jameson okay i'm sorry <laughs> what? Well, that was really funny seeing you on hit the your ceiling. Head, yeah, in my own basement, I hit my head on the ceiling. Yeah. So, like you don't know the geography of your own place. Anyway, so that's we need to wrap up because we've yeah, we we got a little long, yeah, and I need to take a slash. So, um, before we do, which is um, why if you hear the flushing toilet in the background, um, look if it's good enough for the Supreme Court, it's good enough for us. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I hope uh, you guys learned a thing or two about. Bankruptcy, bankruptcy laws, and how the liquidation process goes. With that said, if you do like our content, please consider donating on Patreon. We just set it up. Literally go on patreon.com. There's a search bar at the top. Type in Drunkonomics. Consider donating. We'll come up with some cool thing to- We are. We're going to- We'll, we'll I think, think of something. We'll give you a cool shout out or something like that. If you're a financial advisor or if you're an insurance company or if you work for an insurance company. I don't know. I'm we'll trying try to think of something. More than that, if, you, if you've got a, like a question you think maybe a whole episode we could dedicate to it, go ahead and- I don't want to say that I don't know what the dollar amount we've got on that one is, but there's got to be a dollar amount where if you well, throw money and you say, hey, I'd like to hear an episode about this, I'm sure we would be more than willing to oblige yeah, so you. So consider doing that. You know, we, we get questions on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook apparently all the time now. So hey, and thank you for you that. Know, yeah. So and seriously, like send, keep them coming because until then we have nothing to talk about. Except when we have random conversations go, what are we going to talk about this week? And then I text back and I go, I don't know, Hertz filed for bankruptcy. So bankruptcy. What do you think about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big one. So, you know, a hundred year yeah, old company. Whatever. So yeah, consider doing that. At the same time, we also have merch. So if you actually want something tangible, That'll actually help us stock our liquor cl- our liquor cabinet. Get some merch. It's literally go to creativebraincanyon.com. That's our podcast network. Shout out to other podcasts in that episode. Simply Stogies. They just got their new it's a, another podcast in that network. They just got a new logo. I don't know what they're talking about this week. Also, but- if you want to hear Aaron talking about something about which one he loves and two, he's got a little bit of experience because of the bar we work in. You'll want to listen to some of the Simply Stogies episodes. 
So I know oh, Aaron's shoot. been a guest. Yeah, Aaron, she... you've been a guest, what, is it twice now? Oh, no, I've only been a guest once. Is it only once? No, yeah. Stacy was a guest once as Stacey well. Stacy was a guest. Our so boss Sta- was a guest. Yeah, so our boss, so if you well, if you, if you hear them talking to Stacy, you should absolutely listen to that episode. He's a really fun guy. If you're ever in Lincoln, Nebraska, you should oh, yeah. definitely come by to meet him. He'll definitely be... come by to meet him and meet us. Cigars meet us Lounge, well. Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean, we're, we're here at Cigars Lounge, Lincoln, Nebraska. You can meet us, but I mean, definitely meet him. He's a fucking trip. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, we yep. need to wrap nope, up because I need up. to take a piss so bad. Good man. Anyways, find us on uh, Patreon. Uh, consider getting us some merch on creativebrandcanyon.com scroll down all you have to do is click either one of the Drunkonomics logos you find us eventually and if you click the solid one that, that literally leads to accessories if you click the clear one that leads to clothes and on top of that find us on social media at Drunkonomical D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-A-L wow I actually did that right I know, I know. you're getting better I'm getting really good at this <laughs> no matter how many jambos here's the worst part I've heard you do it multiple times I don't think I, I, don't think I, I couldn't do it that really? fast well, yeah. well it's probably because you, you've also had too many jambos too anyways, many just enough <laughs> This <laughs> thing is too many unless you're driving. Absolutely right, sir. I know. Mothers Against so, Drunk Driving, if you'd like to advertise with us, feel free. Yeah, do not drink and drive. But anyways, yeah. uh, find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, at Drunkonomical. That is all of our handles. And with that said, I need to take a slash. So please, everybody, stay Drunkonomical, all right? <laughs> <laughs>